This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Virginia only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 532 3500. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Nussanelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Mike Missanelli Podcast, podcast episode number 103, Thursday, August 17th, brought to us by Bet Rivers. And, and I, I got some news for you, Bet Rivers. Our, our numbers on this podcast, thanks to you guys, are zooming. So we appreciate the support, and Bet Rivers people appreciate it as well. Uh, Keith Pompey, the in-car, will join us as we talk more about the James Harden situation. Right now, let's start the podcast is what we always start it with. It's called The Current. So let's just touch on some current things happening right now in Philadelphia sports. The Phillies last night, they they finally scored some runs. And they put nine on the board, and they and they win last night, which is good. And there's some, some good and bad here. The good is that Harper had two home runs, and you hope this unleashes a torrent uh, of Harperism, um, and, and, and he hits the rest of the year. Uh, but the laments, it is funny because people just lay in the weeds and they just come out cold and hard against Aaron Nola when he does not hold the lead. And, you know, right now, uh, th- this is problematic because this is four straight games where he didn't get to the fifth inning. Uh, so, yeah, that's problematic if you look at the playoffs and, and what they might do with this situation. Now, you know the Phillies, you know Rob Thompson, he's not going to demote Aaron Nola. So you're still going to get Wheeler Nola. But there are a lot of people that say, well, Lorenzo's got to be the two. Now, that's jumping the gun, all right? So there's things that you should do. By the end of the year, you'll figure it out. Noah continues to pitch like this. I mean, I don't know what they do. They probably move Ranger Suarez into the two-hole. But he hasn't been that consistent either. Their their starting pitching in the playoffs is going to be a problem. I don't have any problem with them making the playoffs. But the starting pitching of Nola does not carry his weight. It's problematic. These are short series. You can't afford... Like when he melted down against the Astros, that was pivotal for the Phillies not to to go through that series. So Aaron Ola remains a problem for the Phillies. We'll see what happens. He's a guy who, listen, he looks a little weaker in general, always has in the second half of the season. Now that he's an older pitcher, you wonder if he's even weaker than that. And then the Phillies have to decide whether they're going to extend his contract. And if they don't, they're going to have to find another pitcher to replace him. So that becomes a problem. But for right now, listen, during the playoffs, I'm good. If they hit, they're going to win. They're going to have to outscore some people in the playoffs, and that's where the Phillies stand right now. Okay, you're Philadelphia Eagles. We're getting closer to opening Sunday against the Patriots. We have to go through these preseason games, though. And preseason game two, probably the most important preseason game because they play a lot of guys, and, and we'll get uh, you know a notion on – there aren't many spots that we're looking at, let's face it. But the, the Eagles against the Browns tonight, the Browns were in town uh, practicing with the Eagles all week, and we saw Miles Garrett at a soccer game, which we will talk about a little bit later. Uh, what will this game decide? Not much. So I, I think we can pretty much carve out the 53-man roster right now. Let's, let's just go through it quickly. The quarterback situation, what's the third-string quarterback is the, is the remaining spot, and that's probably going to go to the draft pick, Tanner McKee. 
So Ian Book will not be the third stringer. I don't know. Would they stash him on the practice squad? I doubt it because you can only keep a couple guys in the practice squad now. So he's probably going to get released. So Hurts, Mariota, Tanner McCree. And running back. Now, they usually keep five. But this year, it's probably just going to be a solid four. And the four are Swift, Gainwell, uh, Shot Perry, and Boston Scott, who we saw at the soccer game the other night, who we'll talk about in a little bit. Wide receiver. Now, some years they'll keep six. But I don't know if this will be one of them. And who will be the fifth guy they keep? The four are A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Quez Watkins, and Olamide Zacchaeus. And they love this Greg Ward. Now, I, I understand that he's a popular guy with the team, but he's probably going to get a spot. But there's watch this kid tonight. Tyree Cleveland had a pretty good game in game one, and he's younger. So uh, that's a spot you look at, the fifth or sixth wide receiver spot. This is how deep this team is. Tight ends, all right, we had no problem there. Goddard, Skull, Calcaterra, the offensive line. Now, they're probably going to keep 10 offensive linemen. At least nine. And we know who they are. Mulata, Dickerson, Kelsey, Cam Jurgens will be the starting right guard, and Lane Johnson. Jack Driscoll will be there. Tyler Steen, the draft pick. Sewell Pato will be there. And Josh Sills, the kid who got in a little trouble, got exonerated in court, will be the nine. Who will they keep as the 10th? Dennis Kelly, they traded for. He's a veteran guy. He has struggled. But I don't think they'll cut him. I think if they keep 10 offensive linemen, Dennis Kelly is a veteran, will get the nod in, in that particular situation. All right, let's move on to the defense now. Um, defensively, uh, let's get look at our uh, defensive line and uh, defensive tackle, first of all. The, in the middle, they're good. So it's Cox, Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter, who's played well, Milton Williams, um, and, and probably to keep Tua Pelota uh, as their fifth guy. Defensive end and linebacker. The defensive ends are obviously Hassan Reddick, Josh Sweat. You got Brandon Graham. You got Nolan Smith. Derek Barnett will probably stick. And uh, Kyron Johnson will probably be the, the last guy if you're going to keep six. Inside linebacker, Dean. The two guys they acquired, Miles Jack and Cunningham and Christian Ellis, will probably be the guys that stick there. There, there might be uh, a situation where Morrow sticks. So uh, they may keep five linebackers. We'll have to look at how Morrow plays tonight. Cornerback situation, Slay, Bradbury, Maddox, McPherson, Josh Job has earned his way, and the draft pick, Kalei Ringo, is going to stick. That's six. Safeties, uh, the four safeties will be Blankenship, Sidney Brown, Kevon Wallace, and Terrell Edmonds, depending on who starts there, Blankenship and Edmonds, or maybe Sydney Brown starts. They, they, they take a chance with that. And, of course, the specialists have been um, cemented for a long time. Aaron Sipos looks like he's going to keep his job as the punter. Lovato is your long snapper. And Jake Elliott will be your kicker. All right, so there's your Eagles situation. You're looking at maybe third-string guys and backup players that you're looking for in the game tonight against the Browns. It's the Mike Missanelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. All right, folks, let's get into it. The story that will not end uh, and probably won't end as we go into a preseason and maybe even into the season, the situation with James Harden, the big lie. What was it? And even if it was a lie, who cares? Uh, let's bring in the man who's covering the scene for the Philadelphia Inquirer, covers the Sixers for the Philadelphia Inquirer, and uh, 
The NBA offseason always keeps writers busy, especially in Philadelphia. We welcome in Mr. Keith Pompey. Hello, Keith. Hey, what's up, Mike? How you doing, man? Thanks for having me. It, 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 it's a busy offseason for you. and it'll, It's busy and, and it'll get busier for you. So let's try to let's try to sort this thing out with James Harden. And of course, uh, if, if unless you were living on Mars, you know that. He went to China and called Daryl Morey a liar, and now the whole situation is in limbo, so we don't know what's going to happen with the Sixers, and it could be another Ben Simmons situation. So right now, how does it stand, Keith? I mean, it's bad. You know, I think it stands that we can be in for a long, a long, uh, I wouldn't say summer. The summer's already been long, but it's going to be into a long preseason, early season in regards to James Harden standoff with the Sixers, it just seems like it's headed towards that right now. All right, let's talk about the actual lie, quote unquote, that that Harden has reacted to. Now, the, the, there are two uh, potential lies here. One mm-hmm. is the the most recent lie, which is uh, that, that they would promise to trade him if he uh, he signed uh, he he uh, signed into that last year of the contract. But the bigger lie is the one where he took less money with the caveat that the Sixers were going to do what? Now, I sit here and I go, I can't believe Daryl Morey back then would have said, if you take less money now, we will give you the max. He may have said something vague, but how do you read that if we go back in time with the the big lie? Yeah, and it's, it's funny, Mike, because like when you think it is, when a guy does take less money, Again, not the max, right? But you do assume that he's going to be um, compensated for taking less, right? On the back end somewhere. Now, the problem with that is what he's saying is, and I guess the Sixers wouldn't say anything else, but when you talk to people within the organization, they're saying, hey, we, we never had an agreement like that. We never did that. And of course, you're going to say, even if you did, you're you're going to deny it because that's tampering, right? But- but the thing is, um, you know, I, I don't I don't see anybody reacting the way that he's reacting unless he thought he was going to get paid. You know what I mean? And, and like at least early on, because, you know, he gave up a lot of money for them to to, uh, you know, get uh, P.J. Tucker and Daniel House. And you remember before he did that, he always kept saying, I'm going to do whatever's best for the Sixers. I'm going to do whatever's best for the Sixers. So even if they didn't say it, I'm assuming he felt like at least this summer would be better off than what he's getting right now. All right, here's the, what I know about NBA players, especially stars. They have an incredible ego where they're always right and no one else is, is, is right. And, and they're also oblivious to their declining skill set. Mm-hmm. So uh, now I've sat down with Daryl Moore. He's a slick guy, right? I can't imagine he would say something like, we'll give you the max. I think he said something like, James, do this for us and we'll take care of you down the road. Now, take care of you is contingent on the current circumstances, right? So taking care of you at this point means, hey, James, you're, you're not the same player. And we, my, my dedication is to the organization. We can give you this, but we can't give you that. Is that more likely that that happened? It could have. It could have. I mean, you know, I mean, and, and I understand the question. It could have, like, you know, we'll take care of you. Now, the one thing some people think that James did get, what, 16, 17, whatever million dollars more because of the second year, right? 
by opting in. But, um, I, you know, it's, whatever it is, you know, it, it could have happened. I mean, it could have. Now, it could have been one of those things where, like you said something, deteriorating skills. People aren't realistic on what they do. And I think James was under the assumption, no matter what, he probably was going to get paid. Even though if they didn't say it, Daryl's my guy, no matter what, I'm going to get paid. And it just didn't happen. But again, it's one of those things where it's tough for ownership to give a guy that type of money when you see his skills deteriorating like that. Which which he doesn't seem to realize. Am I right? You're right. You're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. You're, I mean, you know, he had 45 points in game one. He had, what, 42 in game four. So as he's telling us, hey, look, y'all, <laughs> I'm that guy. Like, I'm yeah. still that guy. It's not my fault. It's not my fault that Joel was clogging up the paint. You know, it, I'm still that guy. Yeah, and and his side, and like to take his side. Uh, yeah, you wanted me to play a different way. That's why I'm not scoring 35 mm-hmm. a game. So I am the, is still the same guy. But we look at it and go, yeah, he looks a little worn down, and that's the real the, the realism of it. But here's the beauty of this of NBA stars, man, or perceived stars. Uh, when they feel they're disrespected, oh, it's on, and mm-hmm. f you, and they're gonna play that whole thing out, and that's what's happening right now, and. and you can't go into a season thinking that you're going to be able to do anything with this kind of disruption. Am I right? So how, how do they handle the disruption? This is what they're paid to do. How do the Sixers in the front office handle this? I think the best bet for the Sixers is just say, this is going to be a lost season and we trade them. I mean, because I mean, and, and my, my reason saying that is you're not going to get a lot for him, but in, unless they have a, a really deep conversation where they can get a lot of things out, which it doesn't seem like is trending towards that. I, I don't think James is going to be bought in to, 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 to play well or want to play well for the Sixers, right? So I, I feel like it may come to a point to cut your losses because here's the reasoning. Not only that, Mike, let's keep, like you got a new coach. The expectations are high. You know how it is. You talked about the NBA. Guys in the NBA are great for showing up. If they show up, they show up at the last minute. They're often out of shape, and they're often extremely disruptive to the locker room. And then next thing you know, that's a lost season. And then if you're Joel Embiid, you're looking around, and you're saying, here we go again. And then next thing you know, Joel's the guy asking to be traded. So to me, it's one of those things where – and, and it's one of those things where, like, yes, you know, you, you do have him under contract. Yes, this and that. He has to do this and that. But at the same time, he's such a guy that's so used to getting his way that he's going to battle you until the end, until he gets his way. And let's face it, he's made so much money in his life on and off the court that where he might say, I'm still not playing for him. Y'all could do whatever y'all want. And then next thing you know, if he retires, then what do you have? You know? So to so me, the Sixers really, it's unrealistic to think that he could play for them. I mean, when this guy came out before I thought like, you know what, for him, for his future right now, for his future as like getting paid, you would think it would be the Sixers, right? 
But when he came out and called Daryl Morey a liar, and when you realize how their relationship is, it's different from, believe it or not, Joel and B calling him a liar, Tobias Harris Maxey, just because Daryl Morey and 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 a Harden are tied to the hip. That's what everybody thought. And now he's calling him a liar. I, I feel like it's tough for him to come back right now. I do. And it's ego. Like you said, guys in the NBA don't realize when their skills are deteriorating. He's looking at it as if like, nah, it ain't me, it's y'all. I'm still that guy, you know? Uh, all right. So uh again, the Sixers uh the Ben Simmons situation was one thing. They, they had a lot more hand in that. Uh, th- this guy is on the last year of a contract. He is a guy with declining skills. So they, they basically what you're saying is they can't afford to play that out like they played it out with Simmons and eventually made the trade where they got value for Simmons. That's not going to happen here. Yeah, I, I don't – I mean, you, you can try to play it out, but the thing is I just feel like here's a guy who – a little bit more, and I'm not saying anything about this ain't knock about Ben, but he's a little bit more savvy when it comes down to like burning down buildings, right? Making stuff crash and burn. And and I don't know if I just want to deal with that. I feel like you got too much at stake, you know, right now for to, to deal with it. Now, again, who knows? Maybe the league will step in and they'll do this and they'll do that. But I just feel like, you know, James, like the thing about Ben Simmons is, Ben Simmons was a three-time All-Star. He wasn't a, a All-Star starter. He wasn't a first-team All-NBA. He wasn't an MVP, this and that. Once you get that status, you become the guy, the man. There's no one can tell you anything. I'm prime example. This past season, I would go to games. And I remember one particular instance that James, something wasn't exactly the way it should have been for James in the locker room. Like, People were scurrying to get what he needed. You understand what I'm saying? He is the guy. So now when you try to get a person like this who's used to getting whatever they want and you try to back them into a corner, you, you understand what I'm saying? It becomes yeah, a fly yeah, type I, Totally. Thing. That's the realism of the NBA. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you just mentioned it, uh, unless the league steps in. What, what could possibly the league do here? Well, I mean, they can support the 76ers. You know, they could like um, like make sure like kind of sort of like they they stepped in a little bit with the Ben Simmons thing. Like, you know, OK, it's fine to find them. It's this and that. And what I mean is like the league steps in and like, hey, look, he's suspended. He's this. He's that. You know, what I mean, like it's something I mean, I know that collective bargaining, they're probably going to try to fight it. And, you know, they're going to try to dock his pay and all that. But I don't think it's really going to impact him because here's a guy that's made over 300 millions in basketball alone. So I don't know if that's going to really hinder him. But like, I'm pretty sure the league, from what I hear, the league is seeing this trend of star players having these exit strategies. And, and no matter what they say, you can't do it. You can't ask for a trade. They keep doing it. So it's going to come a point in time where somebody is going to be made an example of, right? And, like, you look at Dame Lillard this year, you look at James Harden, both of these guys demanded trades after they came out and said, we're going to fine you 150000 But they make 30 plus million. What's 150000 of them? So I feel like 
the league, if James Harden has his way and he's going out here saying Daryl Morey is a liar, this and that, you know, it, it, it's kind of like, I don't know. It's open. They already opened up Pandora's box. I just think they're trying to close it now, some way, somehow, you know. And they may step in and try to do something. All right. Now tell tell me the last thing I want to talk about. Tell me that this is inaccurate. He wants to go to the Clippers, um, and and no matter what they say, uh, well, you know, we we just made you know we have we can make a good deal with Oklahoma City or whatever. He gone nah nah mm-hmm. uh, no. So so basically, it's the Clippers are bust and. They're going to have to take what the Clippers are willing to give them. Yeah, and, and you're exactly right. And the Clippers know it's the Clippers or bust, and we're not giving you what you want. And even with the Clippers thing, so let's think about it. The Clippers are the, the two guys that you think that can help the 76ers win a championship from the Clippers are one would be, you know, Kawhi if he's healthy. Another one would be Paul George if he's healthy. If not, it's like you're going to get some role players. Yeah, you might be deeper, but that's not going to help you get over Milwaukee and Boston, right? And then you're going to get late first-round draft picks. So a late first-round draft pick, you don't trade a late late first-round draft pick to get a superstar. You just don't. So that's not but, – but if you're the Clippers, I'm not trying to give you anything because I'm the only team that's in the market. Well, it's such an interesting situation, and I, you know, I, I tweeted out something the other day. This, this is a, a untenable situation, and and really kind of upsetting for fans. But it is gold for people like me, and maybe even you, because you got stories in front of you every day, which is the mission of a journalist, anyway. Yeah, yeah, you know, he's over in China, and you know, he said what he said, but he also told the people in China, and again, like you know, you you know, he's saying it like he's selling sneakers, he's selling wine, he loves it over there. And he said, yeah, one day I would love to come here and play. And now everyone in China is going crazy and, and this and that, you know, so it's uh, it's crazy. But again, like if we go back to um, we go back to uh, the Colangelo with the burner gate. I mean, you go back to Ben. I mean, think about it. Even back in, well, I think it was 2016, Nerlens Noel Dagnir asked for a trade the day before training camp started. So it's kind of like, you know, this is new. Then, then, then you, you mark out folks, you go back to uh, the uh, Mikel Bridges trade, you know, you go back to like, I mean, it's just a lot of stuff that's going on with that has going on with this team during the summer. It's amazing that they stay viable, even though they've been poisoned by dysfunction for the last 10 years. And this is the year they're going to ask their fans to take a gap year. So we'll see how that sits. Keith Pompey, the Inquirer, it is always a pleasure to talk to you, man. And uh, keep doing what you're doing because you got many more stories to write about this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Keith. I appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate being on here. It's the Mike Nussinelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. All right, thanks to Keith Pompey, uh, Pompey for enlightening us with the situation. Uh, well, I tell you, what a mess. And uh, it can only happen to the Sixers, and it can only happen in the NBA. The NBA is the most compelling league for drama that I've ever seen, and their off-seasons are the best of any sport uh, with the controversies that we talk about. All right, let's move into Mike Unleashed for today. A lot of stuff to cover on Mike Unleashed. So let's start in the sports realm. With the Philadelphia Union and Leo Messi in town the other night, 
in a landmark appearance uh, for the Miami Pinks. Uh, and, and Darren and I happened to be at the game. Uh, this is my first union game, okay? This is my first time at PPL Park. Soccer usually isn't my bag, but obviously when, you know, a guy like Messi's in town, the legendary player, you want to say you were there, you saw him, and he scored a goal, and he probably should have had a second goal if not for a great defensive play by a union defender. Um, let me just uh, say it was a fascinating experience, okay? Uh, they got swamped, the union. Uh, and I, uh, you know, the Messi being on this Miami team, and they weren't a very good team, and all of a sudden, now they're good. Uh, and I go, wait, one guy could pick up the spirits like that. So he comes down and he, he scores on a, a like a 35 yarder, whatever it was. And I, now the union, one of the union's great players, Andre Blake, the goalie. And I look at the goal and I go, Hmm. <laughs> now I, I don't want to cast aspersions on, on Andre Blake. Uh, maybe he didn't see it. But it certainly didn't seem like a good enough shot to score against a good goalie. It was kind of a roller. It was like a low roller that found the far post. Uh, my first thought, and I, I, I'm sorry for this thought. My first thought is that, is there a mandate that he has to score just just to, to, to appease the fans? Like, he has scored in every game, Right. And I look at that goal and I go, that almost looks like that, like they wanted him to score a goal, but that the union were counting on coming back to win. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm totally wrong on that. But Darren, you were at the game. Was that your first thought? My thought was, I thought the goalie kind of wanted to be able to say for the rest of his life that Lionel Messi scored on him. That's would, how see, I would want the opposite. I would want the opposite and say he wouldn't score on me. Like, I'm, I almost think the league is involved here. And, and listen, I, I, I'm, maybe I'm talking out of turn, but I don't think that that was the kind of goal that, that Messi should score. Really. I mean, listen, he's a brilliant goal scorer. I get it. That was kind of low line. It wasn't even that hard of a shot. And it rolled to the far, to the far post. So, uh, in any event, I don't that want to take his away. That was ninth goal in six games, by the way. Yeah, I don't want to take away any, any of the starch of the game. But that was my first thought. And I apologize if that's a wrong thought to have. I know a lot of people <laughs> on on Twitter were kind of agreeing with me. But in, in any event, uh, it, it was kind of an interesting uh, situation. Now, let me – I want to go to this. First of all, uh, I know it was a, a special game. Um, but getting in and out of that place in Chester – was an absolute nightmare. The worst I've ever experienced in my life. Now, I'm thinking, man, there's only like 17,000 people. Go away. 35,000 cars were at the game. I, it, it was the, like the weirdest thing I've ever seen. It was like it was like a half a person in a car. Uh, that's how, how bad the traffic was around that situation. And you and I were talking to some of the security personnel down there. And um, I think everyone, everyone we spoke to, two things in common. One, they had no idea where our section was. We were very fortunate. You yeah, nobody knew. Yeah, yeah the, the workers have no idea <laughs> no about idea. the stadium. But uh, it may be because that they were overwhelmed with the people that they didn't. They don't have to be normally, but they, the, in this game they had to be, and they weren't ready for it. Yeah, they were expecting an enormous crowd, obviously because of Lionel Messi was probably the biggest uh, crowd they've had. You know, except barring playoff games, they had brought in a lot of 
uh, additional personnel that had not worked the stadium yet. Yes. So I actually felt bad and for And they a lot sold of these a lot kids. of standing room tickets, which were going for like $250. So they added probably another 5000 to standing room Easy. People. Easy. Uh, yeah, and they so, make but, a lot of money on parking. It cost me $40 to park, yeah. and I was two miles away. <laughs> I swear to God, I had to walk two miles to get to the stadium for $40. So they made a lot of revenue on that night. God bless the union. Now, let's a couple of, uh, of side notes here. Miles Garrett was at the game. Uh, <laughs> somebody walks in front of me. Miles Garrett. And I realized the Browns were in town, so he wanted to take in the messy phenomenon also. And also, Boston Scott of the Philadelphia Eagles. And he was wearing a union shirt that said with his name and number, right? Scott on the back yeah. with his with his number. And uh, I so I obviously I I have to ask the question: Is that a violation? Well, no. So what the union does something similar to what the Sixers do with a something. That, I don't know if it's a bell. They have like a gong or something that they. I, I'm pretty sure that he was the person that participated in pregame festivities which is probably why they gave him a jersey to wear with his name and number on the back okay i'm pretty sure i, I have a, i have a union jersey that says missing ellie on the back i didn't wear it oh man well you weren't participating in the pregame festivities <laughs> for the team. okay all right okay. we were just invited to go down and have a few beers and enjoy ourselves yeah all right <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give him that all right i'll give him that now that, let me close out with this hollis thomas uh, <laughs> hollis thomas was at the game right and so the reporters uh, are, were interviewing some people that were at the game on what the messy experience was. Here's, here's what Hollis Thomas had to say. I don't care about no bleeping messy. I, I wanted to see the union win this one. I'm a union fan. I was hoping we came out and fed messy a giant crap sandwich. <laughs> The guys just aren't playing like they normally do. I don't know what it is. I think we played hesitant, starstruck. Look, let's keep it real. This Miami team sucks. The only reason why anyone cares is because they have the GOAT. We shouldn't have played scared, and we would have kicked their ass. Messi has been on a tear, and all the hype is around Miami right now, but I really wanted us to be the team to stop his shit. But what can you do? On to the next one. Man, Hollis, I'll tell you what. What's up with that? I know Hollis a little bit from when I worked for uh, NFL Films. We used to hang and talk to him a lot. He's a funny dude. But like, had Hollis Thomas being your resident Philadelphia Union expert is not what I had on my bingo card for today. <laughs> All right, let's move on. And uh, Mike Unleashed to the Media Little League. I watched the game last night. I came to a hard conclusion. Uh, they're not going to win it. They don't. <laughs> They don't hit enough. Now, I, I was a little fear in, in the last game where they only got the one hit. It was a home run to win the game. But they, they're not going to hit good pitching. And in the Little League World Series, you're going to see all this good pitching. So I, I feel bad for the boys as they, they dropped the game uh, last night to the team from Texas. Uh, and there was a lot of hype. And, and listen, you can take the Little League World Series. That's a great event. The, the whole town of media was behind them. They held a parade. They had all these buses go up. But uh, – you know, if, if you have good pitching, you're, you're going to win. They have a line on the World Series, by the way, the Little League World Series. You can actually bet it. And so I, I here's what you do. You look at these teams and you have to scout them, right? The teams that have the hard-throwing pitchers who have a curveball, they're not going to be beat. If you've got two of them, you win the Little League World Series. It's the bottom line. You're not going to hit good pitching at 40 feet. That's, that's really what it comes down to. All right. Uh, 
Last week, I was watching the the, the last round of the FedEx St. Jude uh, tour- golf tournament in Memphis. It was really hot and humid. And uh, so the golfers were sweating a lot. Lucas Glover won it. For like the last 14 holes, Lucas Glover's pants were soaking wet. He had a terrible case of ass and crotch sweat. And he had khaki pants on. It was frankly embarrassing. And I'm thinking, yo, Holmes, here's what I felt. Lucas Glover's won two tournaments in a row. And he's had a resurgence in his career. He's had some bad personal problems with domestic situations. So I'm glad for Lucas Glover. But my man, you got to start quaffing. You got to, if you you swept down there, you're on national TV. That's what it been. Did you see that, Darren? I, I did. I'm looking at the pictures right now. And he's not a big dude. Like, that's the kind of thing you get from, like, you know, an oversight. A John Daly, let's just say. You got, <laughs> no, he's a thin guy. You got to start manscaping, brother. That's all yes. I can tell him at that point. All right. Anyway, let's move on to uh, some rudeness. Well, I'm reading these stories. This woman. And I saw the video, and I'm sure you did, too. You can see it. It's viral. Now, I've been to the Trevi Fountain in Rome. And it's sacred. It's a beautiful site with uh, this beautiful sculpture that that, that frames it. And the, the water, a little waterfall. And people sitting there in all the waters. This woman, I, I don't know what, what, what nationality she was, took the time to crawl amongst the monuments and fill a water bottle from the fountain. And I'm going, on, on what earth did, would anybody think that's appropriate? Because she fills her water bottle, she comes back, and security finally goes, you know, hey, what's up? We can't, can't do that. And she was, like, oblivious to it. What is it with people who don't respect situations like this? The same day, two Americans were arrested, or no, I don't know if they're arrested or not, but the Eiffel Tower had to delay their opening in the morning because these two Americans decided to sleep there. Uh, you know, I got to be honest with you. These are probably ticked. Uh, TikTok gags, and it's got to stop. It, it's ridiculous now. Come on, respect. Aren't you taught that as a kid? All right, I had to get it out of off my chest. All right, Wander Franco with the Tampa Bay Rays. Great player knows he's a great player. This is the same guy that earlier this year on a ground ball scooped up a ground ball, flipped it up in the air, recaught it and then threw the guy out. So you know where this guy's coming from. He thinks that he's great, and he's only 22. A little ahead of his time when it comes to that kind of an attitude. Well, now he's in trouble with Dominican Republic authorities. Okay, This is just not a Major League Baseball investigation. The Dominican Republic has a special commission and a police force that studies uh, underage uh, sexual situations. And apparently, Wanda Franco is caught up in the web of that, that he's involved with some under, underage uh, female uh, who either reported him or what I don't know what the details of it. But he's, I don't think he's going to play the rest of the year for the Tampa Bay Rays. This is serious stuff. And now Major League Baseball is investigating it. So uh, keep your eye on that. That puts a damper on the Tampa Bay Rays' hopes for the rest of the year. It's just the lunacy. All right, then let me close 
Let me close with this one here. Hang on, Mike. Can I just say one thing about the Rays? They, that yeah. team started out like historically well this season, right? They won mm-hmm. like 28 or 31 games, some ridiculous number. Since then, they've had like three starting pitchers, like three of their top guys go on, on the IL, half the team's injured, and now this Wander situation. I, I've never seen a, a team take off like that. Mm-hmm. It's so rare where you see. Usually yeah, in baseball. They're, they're probably in, in the middle of a collapse. Um, they really are. So, Usually in so, baseball, the team just starts off that hot. You can really yeah. – you can pretty much guarantee they're in the postseason, maybe even the World Series. But uh, I don't we'll think, see, uh, I think they're falling apart. Uh, with that. Let me, uh, let me end with this. Yep. Sage Steele. I have two words for that. Good riddance. Okay? Uh, it, it, I, she apparently uh, made a settlement with – she sued Disney and ESPN because they forced her to go off the air for something she said about being pro-choice or whatever it is. She is a crazy right-wing zealot, and uh, she took a settlement and left ESPN saying that she now can exercise her First Amendment rights. (laughs) Sage Steele has a local connection. Her father was a guy named Gary Steele. Now, when I was growing up as a little Mikey Miss, Gary Steele was a legendary athlete at Woodrow Wilson High School in Levittown, PA. Uh, He was a great football player. He was a great basketball player. He was in the newspapers all the time. And me, as a little Mikey Miss, tried to read the newspapers. I might have been six years old, but I was reading newspapers back then. He was so, so special that he went to West Point. And became uh, this uh, incredible uh, military uh, uh, hero at West Point. And Sage Steele is her, his daughter. Uh, not that that means anything. It's just a sidelight to this, this story. Uh, Sage, uh, nice knowing you. Uh, best of luck in your First Amendment pursuit. All right. That will end Mike Unleashed for today. It is now time. As it's Thursday, three questions for Mikey Miss. Oh, we love the three questions, don't we, Mike? Three questions for Mikey Miss. Mike, first question of the day. Mike, you walk into a bar, all right? Let's just say you and me, and we're going to sit down at the bar. We belly up. We have a couple of drinks, uh, but you're all hungry. What is the Mikey Miss bar food of choice? Are you like a wing guy? Do you go extravagant, nice turkey club? What is the Mikey Miss bar food of choice? Yeah, I I probably go wing. If I'm gonna order anything at a bar, it's it's wings. It might be a burger, but if I'm just noshing, uh, I'll go wings. Depending on what the, like if I know they have good wings, if I, I won't take a chance on you know like taking a chance on wings, I got to know something before I get the wings. So it it, it would be wings. I, that's, maybe, that's maybe, maybe maybe a burger. I, okay, there you go. That's question number one. Question number two, Mike, we were at the Union game the other night, and we were talking, you know, you and I talk a lot about your early career uh, in journalism, and, you know, you covered, you've covered everything. It's pretty impressive. And I'd like to know, what is the most enjoyable non-major sport that you covered? Uh, you know, because I didn't even know you covered soccer, I think, at high school and the collegiate level in your, uh, when you were a young Mikey Miss journalist. So, like, of all, take the four major sports out, what was the most enjoyable? What did you like covering the most? Uh, well, that's an interesting question. I did cover a lot of soccer, a lot of high school soccer. I started out covering schools, obviously, and uh, I covered some pretty good high school soccer players. Uh, and that's what I was saying at the Union game when there's a, 
I remember Abington High School had a great soccer team. They had a lot of guys that would go on to play major college. And every time they got a corner kick, the the cheerlead the, the crowd and the cheerleaders and the rest of the team would would have a chant. Every corner is a goal. Every corner is a goal. You were yelling that the other night at the which game. I, yeah, <laughs> which I thought was fascinating. Uh, but I, I got to tell you, my, my most unique experience was covering the Penn State fencing team. That sounds awesome. Uh, uh, here's here's the situation. Now I played baseball there, so I didn't have a lot of time. But I wanted to I wanted to get some journalistic experience. So I worked for uh, the newspaper, the Daily Collegian, which was it's a, a newspaper, a college newspaper, has really good reputation. So uh, I became a member of the staff there. The only beat that they had left was the fencing beat. Now, while I wanted to cover basketball or bigger sports, I took the fencing beat. I go, yeah, this would be interesting. I have, I know nothing about fencing. I don't know anything about these guys. Now, the fencers are kind of like rich kids. from, And they were all from like Long Island or upstate New York. And they were all fascinating guys. They were all like really uh, interesting guys. So uh, I, I like I, it was fascinating to me. Eclectic might be the word you're searching for, right? Eclectic. Yeah, they're, they're eclectic. They're very eclectic. And I, like, it was yeah. fascinating to me. Like, how, like I grew up, I had three sports to play. That's all we had. We didn't have freaking tennis courts in Bristol. So, uh, so I go like, how do you get into fencing? Well, it's just a bourgeois thing. They send the fencing squad. I don't know how it happens, but these guys are pretty cool. And there was a the, there was this dashing kid who was the star of the team. His name was John Corona. Right, that's a great <laughs> that's, name. That's great. But they were they were awesome. That that the fencing coach of Penn State was a guy named Matt Garrett. He was like this legendary right. fencing coach. He had coached for like thirty five years, and it was a fascinating beat. And and I wrote a lot of great stories. And because of those stories that I wrote on fencing and made it sound interesting, I got noticed and got a, was able to get a job right out of college. So that covering the fencing beat was really helpful for my career. I can relate to that. My first feature I had to do for NFL films was on two girls that were like trying to be cheerleaders for an NFL Europe team. Like no, like some odd obscurity that I was asked to do and I did a great job with it. And that's how I got like better and better projects. So, but that's awesome. You had a, you've covered everything. And uh, I, I always love hearing those stories when you and I are bullshit. And, and fencing, there's like three types, three styles that they are involved in okay. a fencing match. Uh, it's Epe, um, Saber, and um, what's the third one? Foil. What makes them different? Like, it's there you go. Like, uh, there's just a different sword. There's, a di- there's an electronic probe, one of them, that oh, lights okay. up when you hit a guy. That's like, pretty cool. I, <laughs> it's crazy. I, I did not think you were going to give me a fancy story. I think you meant it. Yeah, fancy. That's there it is. Cool. All right, fencing. Mike, uh, a food question for our third question of the day. Uh, you and I are both uh, Italian. We both cook a lot. We both make uh, our own sauce, gravy. Other than a marinara, and I'm going to take like a like a meat gravy because I like making a pork gravy as well. What is your favorite type of sauce? I've been into Fra Diavolo lately. I've been uh, having pasta with that. Uh, do you have a favorite? Is it like a pesto Fra Diavolo? What other than marinara? Yeah, yeah the, listen. Uh, the favorite, the go-to is, is always the Sunday gravy for me. Yeah. And the Sunday gravy is because you have three kinds of meat in there and, and you make it for, and it, you cook it for three hours. There's, there's nothing that replaces that. I make a quick marinara with fresh tomatoes, but when you, you start around, you get some garlic and some basil, the whole bit, that's real easy. But to really dedicate yourself to a gravy or a sauce, it's a Sunday gravy where you got your meatballs, you got your sausage and 
Brajol. I put the Brajol in there. Brajol. Love that? it. All right. That is it. And that's a very good, by the way, <laughs> one of my favorite three questions for Mikey. Huh? Thank you very much. All right. I think we got to close it down right now. Thanks, everybody, for listening uh, to the show. This is, of course, brought to us by Bet Rivers. Download that Bet Rivers app, and you could have bet Lucas Glover and his sweaty crotch last week and made some money. All right. Um, tomorrow's video will be uh, the video blog on MikeMiss.com. I do a video blog every Friday. Check it out, my website, MikeMiss.com, where you can also email me, Mike at MikeMiss.com. Love to uh, hear some emails and read some emails to you, the great emails that I like to read on the Friday blog. Also, if you want a personal shout-out, just go to Cameo.com, C-A-M-E-O. You can get me give you a personal shout-out. You got uh, fantasy football season coming up, and I will uh, absolutely introduce your starting lineup with the fantasy football selections right there on Cameo. And, of course, we're coming down to the busy wine time. This is a busy time for us, late August and early September. I will be participating in this October's uh, grape cuttings. So I will be out there trimming some grapes from the vine with my my vinter, uh, Tim Job at, at Tally Vineyards. So stop by for weekends. It's always great in September. Weekends in September are great to visit the winery. The Tally Vineyards is in Cape May Courthouse, New Jersey. I am part owner of it. I'm very proud of the grapes and the wine that we produce. All right. I think that's about it. Thanks for listening, everybody. Spread it to your neighbors. The Mike Miss Podcast is every Tuesday and Thursday. And, uh, of course, coming into football season, and we'll have a lot of exciting things to talk about. Have a great rest of the day. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. It's the Mike Nicinelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.